distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 446. My name is Brando. Welcome to the podcast from Blind Melon, Mr. Rogers Stevens. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? I'm living the dream, or should I address you by your full name, as we were discussing via text, Thomas (laughs) Rogers Stevens. Right, but if you could do that more than twice in a row, I would be impressed. (laughs) As I said, if you had like some sort of a, you know, a Sylvester's, it's like the, the cat lisp, that might be hard to say your your name. So we'll just go with Roger Stevens. The two, it's the two S's in the middle. Like, it's hard to tell where one of them ends and the other one begins, you know? <laughs> Must be fun to write, like, an email address and everything. No one uh, gets it right, yeah. Well, mine's easy, Brando, just Brandon, chop off the end, makes it more radio-y. I guess. Right. Okay. Good. Got it. Sure. I always said this is the nice segue because uh, some people will call me because obviously people will call you Rogers, but some people will call me in person Brando, and I'm just not that kind of personality where I, I I'll correct them and say, "Hey, Brandon, Brando is okay if you want," but I'm like, I'm not Axel. I'm not these kind of people slash these one night kind of stars. Man. Don't sell yourself short. You come off pretty strong. Okay, I mean, five six, but okay. Brando's kind of badass. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't uh, deny that Brando sounds pretty badass. All right, well, if Roger Stevens says so. I, I won't argue with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, you can use it. <laughs> with that being said, uh, where are you calling from? I guess zooming from. I'm so used to being the old school radio guy calling from, uh, zooming in from. I, I, if you're watching on YouTube, I love the the room that you're in. Is that your Kind of home away from home. Yeah, your, this, your is studio. My, this is in my house. This is a my. You know, I I put this together and I've been home thinking. within a home. I guess I meant to say. Yes, it's it's what I've been I've been sequestered to. I've been quarantined to. No. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 great because this room is over a garage, so there's nobody under me to hear me, and there's a room between this room and the rest of the house. So it's separated. Now, you know, you got two doors, you know, it makes it a lot better to, uh, you know, for making noise in here. But yeah, I've made, I'm making almost done with another record in here with this group I've been working and um, I've got it kind of dialed in now. <laughs> but well, that's yeah. awesome. So like, where are, if you feel less it's a secret location, where is that house located? And were you looking for a place to record when you were looking for a house? Yeah, that's a good question. And yes, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in the, uh, the greater Philadelphia area. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I got this house, you know, you know, we, we, we did kind of look for a while, uh, looking for a, um, somewhere where I could do this and, and, you know, we got lucky, we got really lucky to find it. Um, it was a, you know, a connection through a, a relative basically you know knew these people were putting their house in the market and we we met them and and uh you know this guy you know he, he so generously left me a grand piano in this room so if i turn right here you'll see um and that wow that's okay. been that's been a big deal um for me and and 
you know, he was buying a, a, a Steinway for his new place, like a real, like a new Steinway, like big grand piano. He was, so he didn't need it. What, right. He didn't want to move it. It's, it's really, it's an old, it, it's a, it's a, it's a late 19th century, one of early 20th century player piano that somebody oh. took, took the guts out of, and it just sounds brilliant. So, um, like it's on, you know, uh, some recordings that I released last year. So, so let's let's get into that because I would need to play a piano because I can't play. Uh, that's why I'm on this. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not as good as Nate. So, like, I get Nate to do it. <laughs> right. So Nate uh, Towney. Uh, I'm saying that right. It's it's Towney or Town. Town. It's Town. town. I'm glad like, I I asked again. Uh, I it's, I'm so, so many names. I I I, I never edit these out because I, I, I read names for my entire life, and my first time saying it, I just leave it in and and screw well, it up. Yeah, so. it, it does beg the question: Why the e? Exactly. Right? We have a way to spell town that doesn't involve <laughs> the e, and it sounds same. I'll you ask you. I'll run that by him. What? You and your extra S's and him with his extra E. <laughs> I could see yeah, why well, you guys have a bond. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, I, I like the name that we went with because it sounds like an accounting firm. <laughs> Town and Stevens. Yeah. Like you would trust <laughs> that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, so tell us about is that uh, you had a, a debut album that came out uh, several months ago. You know, uh, yeah, last year. Uh, yeah, it was out. Um, sort of, I think early June, maybe we we released it. Yeah, summer last year. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, honestly, we just released it. <laughs> we didn't really tell anybody. You know, until it was there. You know, and um, I don't know. It was kind of a um, proof of concept. You know, if you will. How does that work? Because uh, if people can check it out, I like the video you shot where it's just you sitting in your car. It's kind of very simplistic, but I like the lighting yeah. and everything. Listen, but that obviously, no, that's that is. Here's what that is. That's my iPhone attached to the steering wheel, and I drove through a car wash. Oh wow, that's that creative. car wash is like going to a meatloaf concert. I love it. It's like, <laughs> and I did it in one shot because it's $20, right? You, I, I, you know, I get the full treatment. They do the wax, the under thing and the, 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 whatever the fuck it is, you know, it's, it's nonsense, but you know, they're spraying it down with a bunch of different color soaps basically. And um, really it has like rock concert lights. And so wow, I was like, I got to do a video and it was perfect in the car because um I got it situated where when I was driving down the road, I, when I was safely looking at the road in front of me, the camera was positioned just such that it looked as if I was looking directly in the camera. I did this by myself in two hours on a Saturday afternoon. Wow. And the thing about that was I, I went through the car wash and, you know, it, it kind of startled me when it started, you know, it's $20, you know, I'm like, okay, I got to get this right. Otherwise, I'm going to go broke. <laughs> uh, so I had the camera mounted, and 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 I have the song on my iPad Bluetooth playing through the car, so I could lip sync the song. That's an, a a trade secret that there's lip syncing in you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but uh, and so it was perfect. I could do the sync and everything perfectly. Uh, you know, crank the stereo in the car and uh, and just hit record on the iPhone. 
That's and, really creative. And uh and and so you know when you go in those car washes, the thing grabs your wheels. Yeah. You know, it starts pulling you up. And then so I do that, and then you know, it's like I, I kind of freaked out, but I got the song started right and it just the timing worked out perfectly because right as it, I went in there, the Meat Love concert lights come on right as I start singing. You know, I don't know. It just looked like I time. I mean, it was a total accident. The uh, the thing that I didn't uh, show was when I pulled, I came out of the other end. You know, how it sort of spits you out, and all of a sudden, you know, the show's over and it's sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I came out into a honestly like a side you know, just a freaking tornado, like hail, wind blowing sideways, like in a black cloud, just coming right down the, the like you could see it, you could see the edge of it. It was hard. And I, you know, I grew up in the South. I grew up in Mississippi and I know what tornadoes are like. So um, it sure. looked like, you know, and it felt, and it, and it just started pouring and, and, <laughs> but I kept, I kept the shot going. <laughs> good. That's that's yeah. a good director. I, Did you I, like? That's I think that's that's wow. I never. That's a, such a creative idea. You were just going, you know, cleaning your car one day, and the <laughs> light bulb went off. You're like, this could be a video, and just to kind of DIY all of that is a. Uh, Everybody was, was smart, gone, so they left me alone. I was able to come up with an idea. Well, that's wow. You're the idea man. That's why you know you're <laughs> one of the founding members of Blind Melon. So I kind of begs the question: if you're working with uh, with town who's also, you know, within Blind Melon, and you kind of just said, we put this together. I, I guess, how did that happen? And, and and why did not, why was it just like a project between you two? Was it going to be a Blind Melon record? I guess, what's the genesis of, of that? And um, Well, yeah, yeah I think when, there. We first, when we first started working together, uh, like uh, as, as, a, as a duo, um, we weren't really doing that. I, I went to his place in, in Michigan. He lives out near Lake, like right on Lake Huron. <laughs> and so I went out there and, um, and this was in the context right after he kind of joined blind melon, you know, we had done some shows and hit it off. I was like, let's try to write some songs. So I went there and we were, we wrote probably, I don't know, a few really cool things, but those were really to, present is there's some th things for blind melon and um and that was where we were going and and so in that along that along the way with that blind melon did record and release like a few singles and none of those were in this batch but these were in that group of things that the band's you know, maybe going to record or um or maybe not who knows or maybe they okay. were and that's the real reason. <laughs> no, but but uh, no, I think actually some of some of the songs that were on the first Town and Stevens record were ones that either I or Christopher or somebody didn't think were right for the those songs. Okay, but, which is fine. You know that happened. You know, there's that. That's the way we work. But um, you know, we were set to go record a Blind Melon record. And uh, I had a plane ticket uh, for like March, you know, 22nd, 2020 to go to Joshua Tree. You know, we had already cut five or six songs. We were going to fly out there and do this. And then everything shut down. And so when that happened, that really threw us for a loop and we sort of dispersed. 
during that time, I, I, uh, I don't know, you know, necessity being the mother of invention and all, I, I started singing. I'd never sang before ever. Mm. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I mean, I sang in church as a, as a kid every Sunday, um, or, uh, you know, I, I did sing some like, you know, group vocal things on some of the blind melon things, but nothing significant. And I certainly wasn't singing out front. Um, but I, uh, you know, I, I basically taught myself to sing by learning every song I could think of from my childhood to date that I love. I mean, all of the Beatles songs and, and, and every like radio hit from the seventies, like, uh, I don't know. I'm just trying, I mean, I, I, I like, you know, some of that stuff, you know? I just learned, like, for example, I just learned like five super tramp songs, you know, just <laughs> okay. the guitar and, you know, and sing them or, you know, whiter shade of pale or something, you know, but you just kind of do your own thing with it. All I do is look at the cowboy chords and the lyrics and, and I, I sing them from memory and I could do like band on the run from beginning to end. You know, that wow. That must be really freeing as a, a musician, where as you kind of... I, I never did it before. I'd never right. learned other people's songs. And so um, when we were writing like the first Blind Melon record, it was literally just, I mean, that's probably not the correct word, but it was, we were, I mean, we were kids. I'd been playing guitar four years maybe and don't know anything about songwriting. We're this works. And, you, you know, that that's why when I hear those songs now, I think, well, the, the arrangements are kind of crazy and weird things happen. You know, <laughs> we didn't know what we were doing. That's uh, and it shows uh, where that where you come from, like how far you've come. And now I look at that video. It's such a difference. I look at it so differently now. And A, knowing it's a car wash. It but doesn't look really different to me. But the courage, though, it, it that takes... For, and by the way, okay, so I, I didn't think I mentioned the the name of the the, the song, so people could check it out. Was please hold the line, right. uh, but just the courage that takes again. You're it's your face the entire time, singing. I don't know. know. I mean, it doesn't feel that way to me. No, like, like to me, it's all the same from the same place, and you know, uh, uh, I'm, it, it's certainly not scary to look at the camera by yourself in the car. You know, right. it right. might it might be if there were, you know, a, a cameraman and a director and act, you know, whatever. I don't know. I've, I mean, I'll say this. If you get on stage, you're in some sense, you have to be a kind of an actor. Right. I mean, you're performing. Um, that's what this is. Like I, I um, you know, I'm not afraid of I'm afraid of performing in front of people or or, um, you know, acting. I mean. My whole life is a bunch of series of frauds, you know? <laughs> uh, maybe I guess I'm projecting because there are times, even though I, uh, I don't know if you could, my mic's picking this up or my cat is currently throwing up. So I guess want to, I just want to call that out because this is the world that we live in. You want to, you want to, you want to scoop it up and I'll sit here and. No, just... we have wood floors. We can clean it up. It is what it is. <laughs> but it, I mean, honestly, like, I don't know what the impact of that is in the room you're in, but. No, I think we're sadly, sadly we're we're used to it. I, I think so. But I think I, I, the smell of cat vomit is oh that you know such fond memories. 
But speaking of projecting, uh, I think uh, projectile vomit, projecting like what I think I was projecting my insecurities onto you because even though I do radio, there are times I will record something and I'll, I'll, afterwards I'll just be like, uh, this sucks. I'll delete it. and Or especially with the camera in my face because I grew up with radio being in theater of the mind. And there are right. times where if I'm just talking where it's just me and I'm, it's not that, like I'm interviewing a guest like you, if it's just me talking to the camera, I kind of get bugged out. So I was yeah. just curious. Yeah, that's Don't not the case. Don't look at yourself. You. Don't look at yourself, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's, I know. I try not to do that. but I mean, uh, look at yourself. You know, give yourself one night of harsh criticism and then let it go. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's. Um... Did you get your kind of um, philosophy and your positive outlook and just your what I call courage, but it's just something you've, you're used to. Did you get that from growing up in Mississippi from your through your parents? Like it was this something that was that you always had with you, even as a. A little Rogers. Well, I mean, I did grow up in a in a rural environment, you know, where you kind of did, I don't know, that kind of stuff. Like you learned to be competent in things. I mean, I could, you know, I could drive a lot of vehicles by the time I was eleven or twelve years old, you know, like things like that. And and which is, you know, I don't think is the norm when you grow up in like a rural or a, a metropolitan environment. Oh, yeah. No way. My son is he's lucky growing up in Queens if he'll drive one car. So I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, no, I listen. And I lived in New York City for, um, I don't know, 15 years. Whereabouts? What's that? I lived mostly just downtown Manhattan, West Village. OK. Uh, that area, like Soho, Tribeca area. This is like you know, 95 to whatever, 2010 around. Sure. But, um, but, uh, like, you know, my wife grew up near where we are here and, and she didn't know how to drive until, and she learned in New York city, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> so as a, as a, as a grown up. You know, just different environment growing up, but you know, spent time growing up in the woods, hunting, fishing, doing that sort of stuff. It wasn't my favorite. People in my family loved it, and I went a lot. Um, I was definitely interested in, I don't know, comic books, and and uh, we we had three channels on the television growing up. You know, and they weren't very good. And yeah, uh, I'm not as old as you, but I remember 13. It was a very different thing. You 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 spent time outside, played yeah. sports. You know, uh, wasn't very good at any of them really. But, um, and then you know when I was and I went to a, a basically all 12 years to a, you know a, I um, you know a religious school basically. I mean, okay. it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, yeah, it wasn't part of the curriculum necessarily, but it was established as a, like a, a, um, um, a Christian school. Um, and so I, you know, around in, in, in my teenage years, <laughs> having, uh, um, you know, hit, hit upon rough times, I, I found the guitar, you know, and I, and I really just, 
took, I mean, took it to the limit, like immediately, like got obsessed with it. And, um, and Brad also, who was the bass player in Blind Mountain, who started the band with me, it was, um, but I spent a lot of time, I, I skipped the maximum amount of days of school that, that you could skip every year from probably like grades 10 through 12, you know, and, and just played. And, um, and, uh, I was obsessed and, you know, we grew our hair long, it freaked every, everybody out, our parents, the school, my employer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, there was nobody else around us that was interested in the things we were interested in this necessarily. That was our age. Um, but, um, it's led to a very well-rounded life because it's a few places I do want to go with this. And I know it's hard for me to even keep track. Uh, I will go to, cause this somehow led to you being a lawyer. Uh, right. Well, that was I, much later. <laughs> I mean, right. Much, much later, but I just kind of want to plant that seed. Uh, but when you're talking about picking up the guitar and, and, and meeting, uh, Brad, uh, and I, there, I want to get into some fan questions. So I want to make sure I give some people credit with them. I can't find this one, the name of it. Cause I want to know, oh yeah, here we go. Mark L uh, R lamb. So do you remember the first time you met Shannon and when this kind of the, the band kind of felt real, like this was really happening? Clearly. Yeah. Like I remember the first day I met him. Um, and uh, I remember, you know, well into that night, <laughs> uh, he, <clears throat> we met him because it was just a series of connections, but he had landed in LA from Indiana and uh, it, it he met Amit Erdogan, this guy from Atlantic Records. I think Axel introduced him to Amit Erdogan. He'd been there for maybe a week, Shannon, at this point. And um, Amit knew a, a friend that knew Brad and I, a mutual friend. I mean, I had never met Amit Erdogan and I never did meet him, but huh. music business legend, but Shannon met him and he went into his office uh, this woman brought him into his office. Uh, this is a couple of days before I met him, and and he sat down and he played a couple of songs for Amit, and, uh, and he was impressed and expressed interest in all that. And and uh, I think the the ask was to try to help him find a band or something like that. I don't know. I mean, we never, I never, we never dealt with him ever again after that. But this mutual friend introduced. She knew that Brad and I had a drummer and we had been making demos of our songs and um, that it kind of had a vibe. It was different from really what anything that was happening there that we were aware of. And um, and so she she introduced us and he came over and sat on the floor of this uh, garage in West Hollywood that we were rehearsing in. We converted the drummer's parents' garage. We built a, a room inside of a room. Brad was, a, you know, a good carpenter, and so yeah. we soundproofed this this garage because then the, the house was another house was right next door, you know. And we're like, we're gonna beat the shit out of some drums in here. <laughs> so um, we had that all set up, and he came over and he sat on the floor, 
and with his acoustic guitar and he played um he played change from the first record from like front to back it was a complete thought and um and i i i i think i said this as a I don't, I don't know maybe afterwards or something but i just said that dude is a rock star <laughs> <laughs> you know it was like he was he was so good it was it was clear the moment he opened his mouth his voice i'd never heard somebody you know with that sort of you know uh a tone in their voice it's beautiful and um and his pitch was you know his pitch was like fucked up in a in a good way <laughs> he knew how to bend stuff right and it just had a lot of emotion really extraordinary yeah uh, uh, agreed so, uh, always always and and so um i just knew immediately it's like if 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 he wants to work with me i'll work with him for sure i mean i'll play that dude's songs <laughs> And he played some other things he used to he played uh he sang have you ever seen the rain by john fogarty you remember that one of course um it was like it was like it was amazing you know john fogarty had this incredible voice and 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 shannon didn't sound like him but when he sang the song he owned it and had it was equally as amazing to me you know in the room and it just we it, it was um so yeah, then we we spent the afternoon hanging out, and then we started drinking, and that's when I found out like all all the other stuff. <laughs> uh, in one day, I knew I knew the scope of it. Wow that that that's uh that, that I was like you answered a lot as I was thinking of like follow up questions, but you I, I appreciate this story. You're answering all my questions as you're go, we're going along because well, I, want, I, to, I want to know the long efficiency is important. Brandon. Sure. I mean, because <laughs> it's, I was going to ask the, the first song that he sang and it's, I'm feeling just the fact that it's changed yeah. is so, is so special. And I wanted to know about, in addition to his one of a kind voice, but it, it is the personality. Uh, so what did you, I guess, what are the sides that you saw in the, in the same day when you first meet the guy? Cause the guy can be as talented as possible. Uh, but if you don't get along with them personally, I mean, there's so many bands. You I know. Can, now, it was example. never. It, here's the thing: like we 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 went out, you know, drinking and 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 got in, in each other's faces um, at the end of the night. That is the gist of it. And and you know that was one of the only times I never saw him take a swing, and it wasn't because he looked at me and knew. Mm. okay you can take a second um you know i i was a kid i was scared you know out there in you know la but he, he was not and um you know he, he was a friend from that moment on yeah, he took care of me because that he, he was he he knew that you know I I he, he knew he would have won that fight. He could have hurt me. I appreciate you uh, sharing that with us, uh, Rogers. Um, I've been fortunate enough on this podcast to speak 
with his uh, daughter, Nico. I've had Christopher on, uh, Danny Clinch on, and it's just to hear all these character traits of just what a good man he was. And you know, again, in addition to the talent, and one of the, the the secondary theme of this podcast is often I bring it up mental health and addiction and depression. So uh, all these go, you know, hand in hand with the talent with just being a rock star. So it's it says a lot that you know they say time heals all wounds, and in a way it does. You learn to live with it. But the fact that you could be so affected, um, I'll never get. You know, I'll never get over the, uh, you know, his his death and all that. So, and and you know, I think all of us who were around at the time and knew him won't, you know, and 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 I. So even from that perspective, you know, I think about his mother, you know, I think yeah. about his family, my sister, like how they must have felt, you know, because that's like another level, right? Yeah. Um. So I don't know. It's uh, it's just one of those things I'll carry to the grave, basically. And uh, you know, you, you you don't ever you don't ever resolve, or I don't at least. I'm not, you know, capable of that of resolving that um, that kind of loss. It's just a hard loss. It always will be, you know, for me. Yeah, uh, it's, I, I can't. I say I I can only speak as a fan. Because uh, yeah. I just like you say, you're you're trying to imagine what it's like for his mother, or his his daughter, um, I, just to be his bandmate. It's but to to know that even though he's been gone for several years, he's still touching so many lives, no matter how close or not close, I guess you are with him. That uh, the music still impacts his his story still impact. Uh, I guess a, f a few follow ups with that. How bittersweet was it for you when the All I Can Say film? came out which was basically his movie his point of view yeah uh, what I mean, a special film yeah i mean danny um and and colleen and and taryn did just amazing work on this and and all of the people who worked with them but um i was knocked out by it really it, it's so uh, because you know, I was there for most of it, and I knew the cam the camera was a, a presence, and and um, um, it, it was very surreal to watch it in a room full of people, because um, you just you, you I, I've never had that experience, you know, where you had this kind of meta. <laughs> uh, uh, objective view of yourself in a way yeah. because you know you're you suddenly become aware of people's reactions to the things that maybe you or somebody else are doing uh you certainly weren't doing things thinking that it was going to be on screen and right the cutting room floor version of this movie <laughs> no i mean it's um I mean, he had, there were hundreds of hours of video that Shannon took. And I mean, every single frame in the movie is his, basically. It's um, it's so funny to think about. I don't know. It's it refreshed my memory a little bit because I, I grew up with camcorders and my dad had the big camcorder and everything at home movies. This was, this was a, it was called a high eight, I think. It was okay. like 
tape was a little bit bigger than a cassette tape. It wasn't a big VHS tape. It was the next size down. And then eventually it went to the next size down, you know, sort of. But to think about that, that he's doing that on his own, filming his bandmates, his friends, his family, and then you're flashing forward to this year where everybody and their mother has a TikTok account and everyone's doing the same thing. It's a completely different mindset. He was ahead of his time just by doing that. Right. But if you think about it, the 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 advent of uh, cheap consumer you know, video technology like that, which means you can shoot hours of video for not nearly that much. I mean, it used to be before that you would have a Super 8 camera and then you have to yeah. get that developed. And that's a lot more expensive, right? The sound, you have to get sound sync, whatever. Nope, video, like first when they came out, they were this big and people had them on the shoulder. But like by the time he got to Los Angeles in like 1989, it was like a handheld thing that was like that big. Right. And it was um, he got a good he got like, you know, the best one that you would get at Best Buy or whatever, you know, whether. But it was um, it was cheap to shoot the tapes relatively. So uh, that whoever might have the um, capacity to think of that, you know, that was the moment. And um, and it makes sense if you think about it, because. I don't know, reality TV and all that stuff, that's what he, in, you know. He was the, he's the, we're the forefathers of. Yeah. I'd rather watch Blind Melon, Big Brother or whatever, than uh, <laughs> what, what's my he, wife uh, watching now? Watch the yeah, there's Rules. a lot of it. You know, there's a lot of that footage and I want to get it because it's really like a diary, for, you know, for yeah, us. It, it is. It's a video. It's exactly what it is. It's a video diary and it takes a great director to put that together in a cohesive story. Um, I just, that, that, that the editors, um, you know, Colleen and Tara, that they, um, would even speak to me after, I don't even know what they've seen is the thing. Wow. I, you know, it's like, a, and, and Danny, I, I, I'm, you know, how it is. I mean, we were, we were 20, 21, 22 years old and somebody handed us the keys. You know what I mean? And it was like, we definitely ran into the ditch. So, um, all that's on there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's go back and we're not going to go deep into, uh, that ditch, but ditches sorry sometimes i keep trying to use great segues and i don't need to uh the one uh the scenes that was not left on the cutting room floor and i got to speak with nico about was uh was shannon going in to record don't cry with axel and slash so i want to i guess ask you because i've spoken to you know christopher thorne about this and and everyone about, about their gnr experiences and what it was like getting because as you mentioned before, you got Axel to suggest Amit to Santa. So what was it like to, uh, what was your Guns N' Roses experience? What was, what was that like? Well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you, when I was um, a senior in high school, I got the Appetite for Destruction record in 1987. And I saw them play. They opened for Motley Crue in Jackson, Mississippi. And I mm -hmm. felt like I was the only person who knew who they were. Because I mean, I flipped out over that record. I I, I loved it. It was it was just like the, the whole like two guitar thing uh between Slash and Izzy and the way that they played off of each other was like 
you know, it was very much like the stones, you know, I mean, I was, you know, I, I love the stones, you know, but like they made it like hard rock, you know, in a way that was sort of updated in a way. I mean, the Rolling Stones are the greatest rock and roll band ever in my mind, you know, but the 17 year old version of me, absolutely Guns N' Roses was, was it. And, and, and I just, I loved, um, I don't know. I just thought it was real. It felt real. It like, you know, because you have to understand at the time, you know, the things that were in this sort of realm and in this genre were not like that. The things that were successful, you know, the, the, the four or five years before of hard rock bands and what, you know, they were like, um, I don't know. It just felt, I don't know. I mean, and it is, it's, it's, it, it holds up. It's a classic, it's one of the best rock records ever made. Um, and uh, I still love it. Every time I hear it, I'm stoked. But, um, you know. To, and, to see them that young and then to know So them. that's it, right? Oh. So I was a huge fan, you know, when we got to L.A. Like when at night, this is 1988. And um, I'd gotten out of high school and so about a year passed before this where i met shannon we were like we were like working like day labor stuff we worked in a meat packing plant in compton for a while wow um, geez but yeah but you know because we transferred from the meat packing plant we were working at in mississippi Got but um, anyway so uh I met Shannon and then like shortly thereafter, like I, we went, <laughs> we went to Axel's house and I met, or, you know, he was living up over uh tower records, the old tower records on sunset. He, you know, there was a, a like a, 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 like a, you know, condominium. Building. I want to say it was called Shoreham's Towers. Yeah, that was okay. it. I've done enough of these podcasts where that, that, piece of information stuck in <laughs> mm -hmm. that was it okay it, it struck me as a sort of place that the, the the newly successful famous would would buy as a starter you know ad on the way to their next one this is exactly what happened you know it's like i don't know it, it's you know he he had just you know, Axel had just gotten rich, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so, um, you know, he, he had to get a place to stay. And um, because it wasn't that long after the record was a, just a big hit, you know, this was right after they came off the road and they were in the studio making the next record. It was during that time. And um, so, yeah, I met him and I was, I don't know, I was, he was super cool. Like uh, he, treated us very well i mean the he and and i and shannon went to see a movie once like the like the first or second time maybe the second or third time i hung out with him like in the middle of the day on hollywood boulevard it was the weird you know at, at man's theater do you remember the movie mortal thoughts with bruce willis and demi moore okay For, I, and it was just like a random thing it's like i want to go axel say you want to go see a movie and so <laughs> we went, we went to a movie with, um, the three of us and, um, uh, his, his, his man, Earl, 
Oh, bodyguard. Yeah, Earl Gavinon. Yeah, his, his bodyguard. Yeah, cool. And 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 so yeah, it was, you know, people gotten a you know we got in a limousine and 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 went down sunset over to hollywood boulevard and and got out in broad daylight and all the you know that's where all the the it's crowded with tourists and um you know it was this the summer and uh yeah you know people were just like gawking and we sat in the movie and the other side of the theater was just like looking at us you know <laughs> I never uh, had that experience, you know, and I, I didn't really talk very much because I didn't know what to say, you know, it's just kind of like observing. And I mean, well, you're at a movie, first of all, you shouldn't be saying well, much anyway. I'm saying that when I was hanging out with around, oh, okay. that, it was basically him and Shannon back and forth and me just kind of sitting there like, wow, I can't believe this is so wild. You know, I wanted to ask, what is the, what was the rapport like? Because obviously they're hometown buddies of of Indiana. Do they? I don't know. Did they talk music? Were they silly like brothers? Uh, do you remember anything specific about their rapport? Like they knew people in common, or you know, I don't remember. I I, I, can, I honestly can't remember the con. I mean, okay. Uh, conversation but i can't remember what i had for breakfast you know <laughs> well you're doing uh, good so far with all your memories so that's, uh, yeah, that's no, fine no no i have i have, I have the long haul memory i guess but not like i don't know and conversation is hard to i mean i think in the what i do remember is just being kind of like freaked out by the whole situation i mean you have to understand i had nothing you know i've been sleeping in, like the year before i slept in the car for months you know it was like i, I mean and we didn't, you know, know, we didn't know like, you know, what was going to happen with us or how, whether we get a band going really, you know, I was just, this was very early. So, gotcha. uh, uh, and you know, I didn't see Axel that much after that until we had gotten the band going and then we went on tour with him, you know? So, um, you know, I know Shannon talked to him here and there and, and I didn't go in the studio, um, but I ended up living at, um, with Shannon in a, in a place in Hollywood on DeLong Prairie Avenue. And, uh, I don't know for, as the band really came together and wrote some songs and got a record deal and all that. And, you know, that was our last place that we lived in LA he and I, and we lived there for about a year. So I would see Axel at that time, you know, occasionally. Okay. Okay. Like, I've got, there's so much. Yeah. There's, I don't know. I mean, crazy shit happened, but I, I, I don't, I don't, you know. We don't need to go there if you don't, <laughs> we don't need to go yeah. there. You, we, I, I've loved everything you've said so far. But uh, I, and, you know, my, my impression of, they, he genuinely cared about Shannon and he was a cool guy. He, he was good to us. You know, but he, he helped us out a lot. So I would never, you know, I'm not going to, you know, um, bite the hand that feeds me. You know, he's a, he was a good dude. I know he had controversy and all that kind of stuff. I didn't give a shit. I was like, <laughs> does he treat us good? He's our guy. <laughs> Essentially that's what Christopher Thorne said the same thing. I mean, he was so good to us and you know, uh, whatever, uh, quirks he may have, like I, he was good to us. So we had it was a great time. So I mean, it, it's good, it's a consistent story. So that's usually what I get here, honestly, about Axel, is that. And 
Uh, God, I can keep you here forever. It's been so easy talking with you, but I just want to get in a few more before I, I let you go because I don't want to keep you there for uh, keep you here. Oh yeah, for... yeah. I'm, I'm gonna have to go here for a few minutes, but but um, I'm sure. here. Sure. So one thing, because uh, obviously Blind Melon has been active uh, for quite some time with uh, with Warren, uh, Travis Warren, and so I want to know. He's obviously. I've, I was lucky enough to see you guys play uh, in Brooklyn. Actually, you said you were there um, recently in Brooklyn. I saw you at La Poussin Rouge. This I think was right before the pandemic. He played that oh, great. Right, right around the time of the film when we did the film thing. Yeah, slightly before. I don't think it was officially out, but it was an amazing time. So I would love to see you guys again. So uh, one thing Yeah. I do want to ask. What is next for Blind Melon as far as shows, as far as music? Uh, because I became a bigger fan after that show. I was a fan already. Every time I interview somebody in the camp of Blind Melon, I'm a bigger fan after today. So uh, what's next? Well, you know, I, I really don't have a good answer, to be honest. Um, I, I think that, 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 uh, I think not everybody is clear on whether or not they want to do stuff. And so, um, in terms of like playing shows of Blind Melon, I mean, it doesn't, it's, it's, it's separate from what I'm doing. Yes. You know? Um, I mean, we all get along and whatnot, but, you know, I, I know that like we have to answer this question. So, um, but I, I don't, I, I can't do it without, you know, the buy-in from all, you know, people involved. Um, but uh, we'll play shows this year, later this year. Okay. Um, but, um, you know, I think, I don't know about recording. I'm not sure. I don't know. Okay. Um, I'll leave with this and then I, I want I to. My thing is, is, you know, it's like it's hard to answer that question without getting in the midst in, into like the stuff that's like, you know, the internal politics. And I get it. And, and and tell me if this is could be. For my own perspective, I'm, I'm you know, I'm open to, to, to anything that's a good idea, basically. Sure. So just quick piggyback on that. You can if it's too much in the weeds and you can't get into it, because obviously Travis has done a great job over the years. You see a bands like you see, but but you see bands. Well, it's interesting. I don't want to say but. It's interesting when you see bands like currently with Sublime. There, uh, Jacob uh, Noel is the the son of Bradley. It's almost it's kind of an like almost like a Nico Hoon situation. Who he was very 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 young when Bradley passed away. Uh, did perform some shows, but now it's going to be a band. Nico has performed with you guys before. Has it ever been discussed as far as her? I guess taken over, or is it, was I don't that think just... she wants to play with a bunch of old dudes. <laughs> I mean, Nico's cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that would be so embarrassing for her. I mean, imagine like, imagine that story, like, like your dad's band. But that right? happens. Look at the Eagles. You know, Van Halen, right? Wolfgang did it. Yeah. Well, I mean, but well, again, I don't, I don't think she wants to do that. But, but, and I, I don't know. I mean. At the time, listen, you have to understand, when we started working with Travis, I think, how old was she? She was probably like eight, nine years old or something. Or no, she was. She would have been, she would have been 12 years old. I don't think that'd be appropriate 
parameter. Right. But I'm saying like now, I'm talking about now, like that would oh, be. We do. I've played, I was on stage with Nico as recently as September. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, like I said, my mind's always open to anything. The, here's the, here's, here's the truth. The, the, what, what I care about, you know, for me, here's my truth. What I care about is making records, right? It's um, for the most part. Um, I do. I love playing live shows and I'm going to do it with Blind Melon. I'm going to do it with this thing I'm doing, but, uh, and whoever else calls me with a reasonable offer. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, I have deep, deep feelings about not having made records you know that that's my reason for being here it's it, it's it's to make songs to make new songs to make things out of nothing it's the only reason i got into this and so you know to make something new and uh so while like i i when i have a new record to me like i want to go on tour you know i want to perform those songs and then i want to stop and do it again and, you know, uh, you have to think for a moment, you know, about what happened with us and, 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 and how, you know, you know, that, that, that affects people, you know, it's like some people react better than others. Right. But it's like to, you, you get handed your dreams. Right. And, and, and so, um, I don't know, I, I got to, you know, get some stuff out of me you know before so, it's time. we'll end with that uh what's next for you what is coming next for roger stevens what can we uh what are you working on now that we can look forward to uh well i mean we're going to release with the town stevens we'll release a record probably in two months or something cool i mean i was just there in brooklyn um we did all the, the tracking so now i'm in here and i'll finish it um, I recorded, went to, to Michigan and recorded with Nate and we mapped out everything on a piano and then we tracked everything and, and, um, yeah, it sounds good. Awesome. Well, I hope you come back on again when it comes out. I know we went overtime today, but I, I mean, this was such a pleasure and you're well, a great I, storyteller. So thanks. <laughs> thanks for coming on. <laughs> All right. Well, I, pre I appreciate you, Brando. Absolutely. So that um, does it. Uh, yeah. I, sorry. Do you have any final words uh, before I wrap up here? I hope these aren't the final words. How about that? Uh, oh, <laughs> that works. Well, these are my final words. Uh, so that does it for this final episode. words for the moment. But, you know, I, I you know have to be careful. You could, you could really say <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> so that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. When will you see the next one? Well, the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. security, I'm going home.